0: Welcome to Selfie Development, a podcast about the weird and wonderful world of wellness and self-improvement.
1: Each episode we look at a different wellness trend or practice to find out what actually works and what's kind of a waste of time and energy. I'm Katie Gordon, a yoga teacher and coach. I'm Annabelle Lee, I write about
0: wellness. Come and find us at Selfie Development Pod on Instagram for more wellness
1: chat. Hi. Hi. How are you doing? I'm all right, thanks. How are you? I'm good, thank you. So, this week, we're going to be talking about psychedelics, microdosing, all of those drug-based things. I'm really excited about this episode. So, we've got a researcher, and actual scientist yes. coming on. Amazing. Yeah, so we've got some questions lined up for her. But I guess, maybe my first question to you is, have you, do you know anything about <laughs> these things? Have you ever um, expanded your mind? I mean, it's really interesting, isn't it, how like
0: drugs, I think, has changed. Like the perception of drugs has changed a lot from being just this real like drugs are bad Mm. to now drugs can help, you know, maybe help with wellness. And it's just a really interesting shift, isn't it? Like how we society view things in terms of using drugs or wellness that's not something that i have really i don't really know anything about it the one thing i do know is that i've got some cbd deep heat um, <laughs> stuff that someone sent me which is like muscle recovery stuff which is pretty good and definitely does chill me out when i use it so do you feel more relaxed yeah when you, okay Interesting. but i don't understand anything about it at all other than i see it marketed a lot i've seen a lot of CBD,
1: skincare, CBD drinks,
0: drinks are
1: massive, yeah,
0: um, in like infusions and I just don't understand it and I think that there is a sort of, I think it probably could be really, really helpful for people but I'm not clear at all on the kind of what we should be looking out for. Is it, can everybody
1: use it? Are there any like contraindications? Mm, yeah, luckily we've got someone to ask these questions. Yeah, brilliant. Too, but yeah, I think also it's like what kind of concentration actually works? Like, yeah. I suspect, like with most wellness products, there's a lot of CBD oils out there that do nothing yeah. and some that do something. Yeah. I don't know what level of concentration you need for it to be effective.
0: And what's this like placebo effect of this stuff? Like, is my CBD DP actually making me feel triggered out? Or is it just that I know it's got
1: CBD all in it? So I think it is. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And there's been some really interesting research on psilocybins. Yeah. Is that how you say it? I don't ask. Let's chat. <laughs> Silas Simons and LSD and MDMA as well. So I think that's more what we're going to talk about with this particular researcher. Yeah. And like microdosing, if you heard about that, is hot in wellness.
0: There's is it a real
1: thing? That
0: book, Nine Perfect Strangers that got made into a series as well. It was, I can't remember what it was on, but we will link this, which is all about sort of wellness and microdosing and oh. in it's very interesting. And there was a lot of kind of buzz around that. It was a couple it's of a years novel. ago. It was a novel. Okay. Yeah. About a very bougie wellness retreat. And then there was some undercurrents of stuff and it was, yeah, it's all to do with spoiler. <laughs> they were being like drugged, microdosed, oh. basically, which was why they all felt really good. Um, oh, okay. Great. And sort of, I think there's more and more stuff around people like experiment or using substances within, whether it's like ceremonies or, Mm. um. Like ayahuasca. Ayahuasca. It's not really the same thing, but there's a lot of around like cacao,
1: which isn't the same thing at all. Maybe that's a whole another episode. But But it's the ceremonial undertones of, or maybe even overtones of cultural appropriation. yeah. Yeah,
0: What's the regulation around it? How are people using it? Because obviously when you're taking something, you are l- it literally taking mind ulcerative Yeah, you're substances. vulnerable. Yeah. And then there was an amazing podcast series. Oh gosh, I always do this and I can't remember the name of it, but again, we'll link to this, which was all about how some of the using kind of drugs in a therapy setting... How that's like really ripe for exploitation, and yeah, just like what's the regulation around it? How are we making sure people are being safe? What's good? What's bad? It's just a big topic, isn't it? And I think as it becomes more and more like
1: mainstream, what should we be looking out for? Yeah, what do we need to know, and how might these things like become on on prescription, some of them, or, or part of like going to see your doctor? like get some microdosing in, in a few years' time. Yeah. You know? So it'd be interesting to find out a bit more about the research behind it and, and what you could expect, maybe. Yeah.
0: Because when we talked about this in the episode in Series 1 about ethics and boundaries mm-hmm. around discomfort and being in your comfort zone and push your comfort zone, and it's like, well, yes, but how do you know? Like if these things are affecting your comfort zone, how do you know? where you feel
1: safe and comfortable and what your boundaries are and there's a documentary which i'm sure you've watched um and one of the episodes is on ayahuasca ceremonies and it shows people with trauma going in the states to these like unregulated retreats and it having positive effects for some people negative effects for other people but also people feeling really high for a while and then what happens afterwards like maybe when the effects don't last longer than a few weeks or what happens if they start to wear off and how that impacts people so as usual there's a lot of ethical concerns around these things as you say yeah there was a tweet
0: i saw which said that drinking is becoming like the new smoking so like less people are drinking it's becoming more like fringy Mm -hmm. weed and cbd is becoming like the new drinking so we're doing more of it it's like more socially acceptable right and then like mushrooms and psicos,
1: psilocybin Psilocybin,
0: Psilocybin, is becoming like the new weed. So it's like this like shift, I think, is really interesting in like how, I mean, I don't know, that's obviously not like scientifically reviewed, but I just think the shift is really interesting. Like the substances that we are maybe using in society, how we view them. Do we view them as good
1: or bad or good for our wellness or not good for our wellness? I just think it's fascinating. Yeah, and the shift from like drugs when I was young and, you know, not taking any drugs at all, obviously. But if I had been, it would have been drugs for recreation, right? And now we're talking about drugs for wellness and and health and mental health. And that's really interesting, that shift and which, you know, I know people who smoke weed because of anxiety and yeah. for them that works. And where is the line between recreation and health? And life? Yeah, totally. Uh, do you think it's an elder millennial thing that they're all boozy? Not, not that I'm an elder millennial. <laughs> uh, we literally both are. <laughs> yeah, we both are. Um, that are still quite boozy, relatively speaking, and then you get more sober as you get younger? yes.
0: I do and right. there's research that shows that and I think like generationally looking at like maybe the views that people have and attitudes people have towards different substances it will yeah I think I think it's definitely like a generational thing mm. completely. The other area that I'm quite interested in with psychedelics is getting into some of the stuff around ego death and like spirituality with, okay. with it. Yeah. So this is going into like some people like Aram who's a, like a spiritual leader, I guess, who was in the 70s, very involved with research into uh, LSD, LSD. Yeah. kind of had his mind like altered, I guess, and sort of found like this idea of oneness or the disintegration of your own personal ego. And this idea that we're all connected and we're all kind of like very like hippie yeah. <laughs> 70s vibes. Yeah. But I think there is Research that shows that, like, when you take some substances, that part of your brain that is connected with your ego does literally shrink. And mm. so, you do feel like there is like scientific backing that shows like drugs can affect how you see yourself as an individual.
1: Yeah. And change of perspective can be really powerful.
0: Totally. Yeah. So, there's so much, and I think there's so many layers. To unpick. Yeah, I can't
1: wait to get started. Yeah. So who are we talking to today? So today we are talking to Dr. Valerie Burnell, who did her PhD in cognitive neuroimaging and spent her early research career at Imperial College, UCL and Oxford University. She now works at the Beckley Foundation. She joined that in 2017 and she coordinates a wide portfolio of their research there. And what's the Beckley Foundation? The Berkeley Foundation is a think tank at the forefront of global drug policy reform and scientific research into psychoactive substances. So they collaborate with leading scientific and political institutions worldwide to design and develop groundbreaking research and global policy initiatives around psychedelics. So they're doing research into psychedelics and working with other institutions to to find out more about that. Amazing. Can't wait. Hi, Valerie. Thanks for joining us today. Hi. Thank uh, you for having me. How are you doing? I am great. Thank you. <laughs> Good. So we've got a few questions to ask you about the research at the Beckley Foundation. So can you kind of tell us a bit generally about the foundation and the research that you do there?
2: Yes. So the foundation was created in 1998 by Field Ping, our director and created to carry out research, support and initiate actually research into psychedelics, in order to better understand their therapeutic value and also to explore the mechanisms of action. Okay, great.
1: And the substances that you explore are quite varied I believe.
2: Yes, so uh, initially uh, we explored a lot of substances from cannabis to MDMA to psilocybin and LSD. Lately, we focused a bit more on LSD and psilocybin. Actually, the uh, larger chunk of our research right now is on LSD, uh, both microdosing and, uh, and full dose.
1: Okay. And can you explain a little bit about what microdosing is for people who
2: don't have never heard of it That's before? Sure, of course. Yeah, there is a bit of confusion around microdosing. It was initially defined as sub-perceptual doses. So uh, people would take like one-tenth of a normal dose and don't actually feel the effect, but then report problems in well-being or even interventions. Actually, what the research is showing lately is that the dose that are effective are definitely perceptual, but so how you a to so uh, that's that's law, well, and that's a better definition.
1: so if you were taking something, then you would notice it, but it would be kind of mild, is that
2: Yes, you would still be functional, so you'll still right. be able to go on about yeah go uh, normally about your day and your work, but uh, still be able to feel something
0: so b- before
2: you're hallucinating uh no that, there won't be any uh, hallucination with microdose. okay, got yeah.
0: it I'm interested ab- about when you said about the therapeutic benefits, can you tell us a bit more about that in terms of, because I think sometimes people might have maybe a a perception around some of these substances that they are for use recreationally, that they're not necessarily going to help us. And I just wondered in terms of the therapeutic benefits, could you
2: tell us a bit more about what they can be? Uh, Yes, sure. So so there are different branches here. So first, I'm going to talk about the full dose, a hallucinogenic dose. And uh, so this goes with some form of therapy. So that's not just you're going to take your dose and and cure yourself from depression. It really much goes with the preparation, then you have the psychological session in itself, and then some integration work with the therapist. And uh, within this kind of setting, of clinical setting, there's been now quite a lot of evidence for improvements in depression. Uh, addiction as well, uh, end-of-life anxiety, and uh, more and more data are coming to support these um, therapeutic this benefits.
1: And is that long term? Do you know much about like how long that lasts for? Or...
2: Yes. So for uh, a study that the Beckley Foundation supported with the Imperial College, that was the first study with psilocybin in treatment-resistant depression. In the in the UK, and uh, they observed benefits up to six months. For some people, it went uh, well over that. For some other, uh, the symptoms, uh, the depressive symptom, uh, reappeared after uh, a month or so. But most participants were free of symptoms for. Uh, a full month. Wow! Uh,
1: yeah, that's a significant... after after just
2: two doses, so one uh, mild dose, like medium range, so that, yeah, not too strong, and one stronger dose. So that's just two compared to treatment with uh, daily antidepressants. That's quite a big, yeah. big. Deal. Yeah,
0: is is the thinking then, or the like the theory that these substances will allow you to sort of process things more deeply? What's the sort of theory behind it?
2: The way psychedelics work is that uh, they allow you to break through uh, rigid patterns of thinking and, and to explore your narrative, your past, your the, the, the vision of yourself under a new angle, and uh, to change this narrative about yourself. So to go beyond your notion of the ego and your everyday you, to, to transcend this to um, look at it from from this transcendent point of view, and then return with a um, new refreshed vision of yourself, and like, so it's not like you're
1: taking something which cures it; it's that it maybe changes your perspective on yourself.
2: Yeah, yes, it's not. Uh, I mean, it's not a cure. I would think it's it's a therapeutic tool that allows for an accelerated therapy, basically, to go directly to the source of the. Um, suffering of the problem and then we really work with it.
1: So you might, so like you said earlier, you might use it alongside therapy? Yes, yes. absolutely. Is it always used alongside therapy or is it?
2: Uh, in, in the clinical settings that, and, and in the renewal of the research uh, for psychic assisted therapy, yes. That being said, some people, um, you know, in, in, in surveys of, of observational studies report benefits, even in a context where they just use a substance like a, in a retreat or outside of therapy, that this is less researched and uh, and this can also lead to problems, actually, to negative effects. So what we know is that in the context of um, psychedelic assisted therapy with a the therapist, with a the preparation and integration, these substances are mostly safe and really helpful.
0: Do you think that that's going to become more like commonplace in mental health care and treatment? In the future
2: well it's uh, that's the plan <laughs> so there are more uh, more and more clinical trials uh, uh, you know large-scale clinical trials underway to authorize this, these treatments so uh, hopefully in the next few years we should see for instance psilocybin being allowed uh, as a treatment for for depression that's uh, that's going to be yes, the next big thing on the list and then maybe more applications will come as as research developed, But um, yes, depression will be the, the next one most likely. They are already at the level of phase three clinical trials, which is that's the latest stage before uh, before they are they can be authorised.
1: It's not that long way no. then before potentially it could be used in
2: medical settings. Then no, it's not that long way. I mean, it could be in around in three to four years.
0: Can Can you tell us a bit more about? You mentioned if it's used outside of that setting, Mm. that that could be maybe more problematic or there could be issues. What would that be? Or what are the kind of things that we need to be looking out for if this does become more kind of commonplace? Well, mostly it's, it's,
2: uh, I would say... what is important to know about the substance is that the set and setting is essential to have an, a good experience, an experience where you can go deep and also feel safe. And if these set uh, and settings are not respected, so taking in a context of a party where you're not too sure about what's going to happen and all that, things can really get out of control and you might go through very uncertain uh, experiences which might just be really acute and then they wouldn't necessarily have long-term consequences. But for some people, it can have long-term consequences. And also when some things happen during the experience that people are not ready to process and they don't have the proper integration after that, like they they don't have the uh, opportunity to discuss about that with a therapist or someone who who can really help them navigate this experience that they've had, that can be problematic as well. It can lose what we could cause, uh, mm-hmm. like some sort of spiritual crisis when you don't have a proper framework to make sense of what has happened to you. And I
1: suppose the dosage as well is hard to control in in that kind of situation. So you don't know necessarily yes, how much you're uh, taking. the
2: dose and also the nature of the compound. That can be a problem for some people who think they are getting the LSD, for instance, and instead it might be something that has been tempered with.
1: Yeah, just for anyone who doesn't know, psilocybin. Am I pronouncing that correctly? <laughs> yes. Yeah, and um, that is essentially magic mushrooms, as people would know it as. Is that is that correct? Uh, so that's the
2: active compounds uh, mm. in in magic mushrooms. So that's the isolated uh, chemical with uh, psychoactive properties. But actually, in the magic mushroom, there are much more substances involved than just psilocybin. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
1: We've sort of
0: seen just. Socially and uh, in the kind of the media that we follow, there seems to be more kind of talk about them in the press or talk about psilocybin. Psilocybin. (laughs) (laughs) Is that something you see reflected in the work that you're doing? Do you think that there's more kind of interest in the like potential therapeutic use of of that?
2: Yes, for sure. So I've I've joined the foundation, the Beckley Foundation, uh, now over five years ago. And since then, I've seen already huge change in mentalities around psychedelics and also the, the the way they are presented in the media. I think largely it's because of the quality of the of the science, the research that has uh, unfolded these past few years. So they are taken seriously now, even in in the scientific community. More and more scientists are keen to to research them, so it's easier to to set up interesting collaborations. It's still difficult to do the research because of their legal status. Unfortunately, they are still highly able and very hard to to procure. So the research is difficult, but it's still much easier than it used to be in terms of finding the people that would be interested in being able to talk about it. Also, uh, around and uh, yeah, are most of the people in the studies are they people with
1: treatment resistant depression? Is that is that what the studies have focused on so far?
2: Uh, no, so that's that was the first study in the UK using psilocybin, but actually the first studies, clinical studies in the US, modern studies, were looking at end-of-life anxiety. So for palliative care with excellent results, uh, there have been some studies as well ongoing for addiction, uh, so with uh, nicotine and alcohol and uh, and, yes, depression.
0: Outside of the clinical setting, again, something that we kind of have seen a bit more of, and I wonder if you have as well, is is kind of people maybe offering uh, retreats or ceremonies or kind of treatments, kind of using some of these substances, but maybe they're not completely qualified to do so. And I just wonder if... You have any thoughts around kind of regulation or how, if people are interested in it, how can we all stay safe and making sure that we are having, you know, a good experience rather than a bad one?
2: Yes, I mean, uh, it, it is a problem. All these retreats that don't necessarily have any regulatory framework. So there is a website called RetreatGoro uh, that kind of rates these retreats and uh, in terms of yeah, their safety and their good practices. It's still not completely perfect, right, but that's the first step. There will need to be more to ensure that some basic uh, safety guidelines are respected, that people don't go and uh, take large dose and then go on trekking in dangerous places like uh, it can happen at the moment, mm-hmm. you know. But, uh, so that will need to be much more secured. Something like um, that is supervising all these retreats. It's not in place right now, but this is definitely under development.
1: That's fascinating, yeah. isn't it? I think it's so interesting that we could be seeing these treatments down your GP in, in not a very long, very long time. It's, it's really interesting.
0: One of the things that I was quite interested in having read a bit about some of the people like Ramdas and people in the 70s that were kind of involved in kind of some of the drug research then and then kind of moving more into spirituality was the idea of oneness. And I think what we see in the wellness industry is a lot of people are looking for that kind of connection and kind of closeness to other people. And my very, very basic understanding is that some of these substances can sometimes help us to feel less of like our own ego and more kind of part of everything in the world. Is that right? I'm sure you've got much more eloquent thoughts than (laughs) me around around that. You're
2: absolutely right. I mean, the uh, quite often psychedelics, I mean, under the, the best circumstances, like right, that can lead to some form of mystical experiences of oneness, as you say, and it can be called oceanic boundlessness when you really feel connected to everything, and uh, ego dissolution. And uh, when you explain these states, uh, they are so powerful that they can really linger with you after the experience, and, and you still feel very much more connected to your to through everything around and other people in particular but for a long time after the experience that's what research has shown it's amazing
0: as it is becoming maybe more you know like Katie said maybe we're going to be seeing this being prescribed at some point in the future maybe kind of perceptions are changing what do you think needs to happen to just make sure that that's done in the best way that people are, are safe and this isn't being kind of exploited
2: yeah, it's a tricky question. I mean, there are different models that are manifesting these days. So in the U.S., once instance, there are some states that decided to completely legalize the therapeutic use of psychedelics. And I think they are still sort of struggling right now to define what exactly is therapeutic use and what is not. And yes, to, to install a, a regulatory framework. So it's, uh, it's very important questions that are being dealt with, but I don't know. I think there is, there is a risk of people seeing their financial opportunity and trying to, to really rush into that and cut some corners and, and have bad practice because they don't really understand how to use these uh, compounds properly. That's certainly a risk. So we, we, we'll see how, how things go. It's, I can't tell you more.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think that's really interesting. I think We've talked before about the definition of who is allowed to be called a therapist and, and who is allowed to deliver these things. And I guess this is a big question for this as well, of who can you know, work with patients or, or clients to distribute and provide therapy and, and who can't because, as you mentioned with any kind of wellness thing, there's always a rush to to make money off of it. And and sometimes, usually, <laughs> that ends up in things that aren't necessarily ethically great. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting. Thank you so much for coming. It's really no, my, my, great. I
0: think our
2: listeners will love it. <laughs>
0: If um, people are interested, Valerie, in the work of the foundation, where can they find it? Yeah, so
2: we have a website. So uh, you can find us. uh, I mean, if you Google Beckley Foundation, you will come across our website uh, directly. And uh, there's a lot of information on there about the research we've done in the past, what we're looking at right now. And so I invite you to have a look. Lots of interesting stuff there. Amazing. Great. Thanks again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much for inviting me. That's what's lovely. <laughs> so, what do you think?
0: Such a fascinating area. Yeah, definitely. So, that was just focused on psychedelics, mm-hmm. which is obviously just one part of drugs. Drugs for wellness, <laughs> yeah. And there's obviously so many uses, so many treatment options, so many ways you can experience whether it's like a full dose or a micro dose I just think it's a really it's such an interesting area and it seems like the regulation stuff is hopefully coming along and yeah. the legal stuff which I
1: know is beyond complicated I, I guess it it follows the research though, doesn't it because if you can get enough research to say that something's helpful then you can get the legal stuff yeah. sorted I do
0: I, but it's quite political as well, isn't it? Around course, yeah. Around what is legalised
1: when and in what context. Mm, but, yeah, I mean, I don't know when, I was trying to think when antidepressants were first introduced. I don't know, I'll look it up, but it's it's a massive thing for mental health potentially. It's like the first yeah. big yep. new treatment for, for a long time. So it potentially has huge consequences Definitely. for people. Yeah, yeah. Um, As always, (laughs) there's, like you say, the regulation stuff is tricky and who is allowed to, if you're using it with a therapist, who is allowed to be that therapist? What kind of qualifications do you have to have? Yes. All of that is going to be... And I guess
0: the issue with using drugs is that because they have traditionally been illegal...
2: Mm. A lot of that
0: maybe is does remain unregulated because it's like when you legalize things, you can like bring them more, you know, you could, you have to have more legislation around it and you have to have more like protocols and yeah. standards. The podcast that I mentioned earlier is called Cover Story by okay. New York Magazine. And that is a fascinating look at where maybe some of these things have been misused and what can happen, mm. which is, you know, a very... Obviously, like that is a big concern because people are so, like we always say, when you're coming to anything in this space, like you want to be helped and you want to be healed and improved and yeah. optimized. And especially if you're then putting yourself into a situation where you're like dissolving
1: your ego. Then you're in like a vulnerable double, double position. Yeah, and right. then the person has to get the dosage right as we totally happen and, and yeah, I mean... This stuff is already happening isn't it like people are already doing this whether it's regulated or not yeah so that's another concern isn't it as well if you're being told oh well it's not legal yet but there's loads of studies so you know I can sell you this you can come on this retreat, do this thing with me yeah come and lick a frog with me and I'll solve all your problems I mean that's problematic in terms of the potential consequences but it's just it's just this boring thing yet again of people trying to exploit other people to make money and sell them wellness and happiness yeah totally
0: your, your liquor frog reference references reminds me of another sort of problematic area with not necessarily well some psychedelics but around cultural appropriation as, as yeah. well of maybe things like ayahuasca yeah, um, other substances that have been used traditionally
1: by particular groups of people that then is kind yeah, of know how to use it because it's in their traditions and their heritage and then you've got like I don't know Keith from yeah. Utah yeah. setting up a retreat center and you know <laughs> yeah. what's happening to those people yeah and is it being used in a line with that heritage I doubt or... yeah 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 It's fascinating and it has potentially huge consequences and um, all these wonderful things that could happen also have potential to to be less wonderful as well. Totally.
0: Valerie's work is obviously very much on the kind of clinical end. Mm. And then all the way through to how we're seeing CBD products kind of used and marketed. Now, we talk about this all the time, we see their cbd drinks for you know for sale we see them at the mm. festival you know and i think that has been regulated and and used but there's now like the floodgates have opened and everyone's selling
1: you everything. everything's got cbd on yeah and I, I wonder as well i don't know anything about cbd research and maybe people listening will have more thoughts about this but i wonder how much of that is actually effective how high dosage do you have to have to get you know a beneficial effect from cbd how much is it placebo which is fine and how much is it people spending you know some of these oils are like 150 quid like are you actually getting anything yeah for your money or not so and then there's a lot of fizzy drinks it's a particular brand that's always being targeted to me i've never tried it and i know some people have and they like it but is that is that real yeah (laughs) Is it a marketing thing? Is it a placebo effect? I don't know, but I think it's really interesting how it's becoming more and more mainstream, and which means that people are more and more interested in investing and making products, which on one hand is great, and on the other hand, maybe not so much.
0: Yeah, it definitely is interesting to see the shift of it. Mm. And I think... It's about understanding what you're looking for. What do you want to get out of yeah. it? Is it to unwind? Is it that you want to, you know, do something, some deep work? Mm. And what's going to kind of suit you? Like yeah. You?
1: Yeah. Or do you just want to not have a glass of wine and have a can of CBD drink and who cares if it's effective or not, if yeah. you like
0: it? Yeah. So I think it will be really interesting to see what happens in the next couple of years. Certainly, yeah and amazing potential that it
1: could really help people and I guess it's just about mitigating that with
0: making sure that people
1: I think it's really interesting what she was saying about feeling connected as well because I think some of these things like like antidepressants work by lifting mood in a simplistic way but if this works by making you lifting your mood and making you feel more connected to people, that's really interesting. And, and I think that could have societal impacts as well, potentially.
0: Yeah. And I think that if you have experienced something like that, I imagine that it is like this feeling of you want to share it. You want everyone mm. to feel fantastic because you feel connected to everybody and you want yeah. everyone to be on the same vibe as you. Yeah, yeah, And I think that is such a problem, isn't it? Which we talk about all the time. Like wellness is so self navel gazing is so about me and my own stuff yeah so that if there is an element of kind of getting connection I guess it's about making sure the connection is
1: like to the right to the right
0: people (laughs) in a safe setting yeah yeah Uh, because actually you know I I think there probably is an argument that the ego is there to like protect us and keep us Mm. safe Which I suppose is why we see those images in the 70s of everyone in like the commune and, you know, together and love everyone and stuff like that. But I guess it's if it can be used kind of alongside the science
1: that is showing that this is going to help you, you know, feel better. It's used in a therapeutic setting, like Valerie said, if you're feeling safe and looked after then. I mean, that always affects how you feel, doesn't it? But I can imagine even more so if you're taking something that you might be a bit nervous about taking or that you're, yeah, yeah, is a bit new. Yeah. Like
0: she said, this, I guess the setting, knowing what you're signing up for.
1: Yeah. I think I maybe steer clear of it till (laughs) till there's more regulation (laughs) around it and, and, and obviously legal. (laughs) Yeah. Very important. Thanks for listening. Come and find us on Instagram at Selfie Development Pod. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review. We
0: recorded this podcast at Story 94. Thanks so much to Nick and Matt for editing and production.